Good afternoon or morning, Alchemists. Um, thank you for joining us in this second We Are Alchemists session. Um, today, we are really excited to be introducing Andrew Smith, who's one of our advisors. Um, Andrew has an absolute wealth of experience, and we are incredibly excited to, to have him on board. Um, and joining Andrew, you've got Ben, obviously, um, calling in from a shed. And, and Chorley as well, and of course me, Neil. Um, so I thought the easiest thing for us to do would be for me to give Andrew the floor for a couple of minutes just to introduce himself and, and talk about his experience and hopefully why he was interested about why alchemy was an interesting um, prospect for him to become an advisor uh, for us. Over to you, Andrew. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me uh, all. I appreciate it. And uh, um, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm more than, uh, more than, than excited about, you know, what alchemy is doing. I think there's, uh, there's, there's quite a lot of promise in the vision and, and, and to be a part of it, I think is, is, is awesome for me. I, to give you, to give some background, um, I'm pretty old. Uh, <laughs> I got into yeah, digital yeah. media, <laughs> got into digital media basically when, uh, when digital media started, I, in fact, my my first foray into um, uh, uh, the space was desktop publishing before websites. Uh, I started a magazine uh, in 1993 that uh, I since ran for almost 20 years. Um, did a bunch of other stuff along the way. Uh, we launched our website in 1995. Uh, so I've seen a lot of transformation over the years. Uh, I've spent a lot of time um, both as a publisher, but also uh, in the ad tech realm, uh, sometimes somewhere in the middle. And, uh, uh, you know, my journey basically went from, uh, you know, sort of, uh, sort, you know, the web being something that publishers did uh, and, in you know, digital video being something that publishers did uh, as sort of a side gig uh, until really, you know, the end of 2000, the 2000 zeros, when 2008 really was the inflection point for print uh, into digital media and digital media really started taking off at that point because market crashed, uh, print magazines became unsustainable. They were the bread and butter for many publishers. I don't think people really realized that, you know, uh, until then. Um, and then uh, digital really started taking off uh, and that's sort of the beginning of my like heavy involvement in space is around that 2008, 2009 time period. Um, and so, you know, uh, after selling my business, I went over to Vice Media, uh, where I ran ad product and ad operations over there uh, for four years. I thought, you know, it was sort of a really great time for Vice because they were expanding so heavily. They were acquiring, they were launching new sites, they were publishing in 17 languages. Um, you know, and so being a publisher in the digital space that is really an important part of, you know, my background uh, with ad tech because publisher gets exposed to everything, right? They see all the solutions, they have to understand and support all of the solutions. So every measurement company, every targeting company, every audience, uh, uh, DMP or CDP type business, uh, analytics, other things like that, those were all in the wheelhouse. So got a really good uh, broad education, spent a lot of time uh, learning about the solutions, 
adopting some. Um, one of the things we brought on board was uh, Grape Shop, which is uh, you know UK-based company that specialized in uh, in content categorization. Uh, and for advice, we integrated them to categorize 17 languages worth of content. Uh, we did it actually before, I think most people think of uh, a company like Grapeshop to think about uh, brand safety. And really we were integrating them to categorize uh, in multiple languages so we could generate first party data. That was around 2015. And then, and then around 2016, uh, brand safety happened. <laughs> the market woke up. Uh, there were a lot of, you know, a couple key incidences. Uh, Grapeshot took off. Uh, GDPR happened as well shortly thereafter. Um, identity started becoming more of a constrained concept and contextual became really a, the wind in the sails for, for that platform. And uh, I saw their success and I jumped on board and that's, that was the inflection point when it went from publishing to ad tech. And uh, we spent a short period of time at Grapeshot and then they were acquired by Oracle. Uh, and, and that really kind of, um, you know, uh, was, a, was interesting going from a, a really agile startup to, uh, you know, sort of the big leagues of, of ad tech. Um, but I missed I missed the I missed the small small company days. So now I'm back at Open Slate uh, as chief product officer. Uh, we spend a lot of time looking at um, contextual through the lens of social media and video. So we have a pretty unique set of uh, skills and technology. Uh, you know, I think it's something that uh, is still just being developed. Whereas Open Web now is, you know, there's there's quite a lot of maturity there. Um, perhaps though. Uh, you know, with the exception of the exchange model uh, for open web, right? Where we see a yeah. lot of stuff going on in, there, in that space that uh, that I think can be improved. Um, you know, so, you know, my background's always been in technology from desktop publishing all the way through contextual targeting. Um, I did dabble a little bit in uh, the crypto world. Uh, I was going to say, yeah, because I think it's pretty <laughs> clear that you are a publishing OG, but yeah, I, we've had a few chats about how you got into to crypto in the early days. And I think given the nature of our project and we're on, we're on a blockchain, we're on Constellations blockchain, if you could to kind of, yeah, let, let the people listening know what you love about blockchain, how you got into it in the first place. Yeah, so um, a lot of friends in the Bay Area uh, were into Bitcoin from an early stage and a friend who was buying coffee with Bitcoin, you know, that kind of, that whole urban. It's an expensive coffee. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was like, it, it was a, it was a good deal at that time. Right. Yeah. Like they're like, shit. Okay. Um, you know, <laughs> here's a $40,000 coffee uh, nowadays, but uh, you know, some, some friends that I think mostly didn't, didn't make it, you know, uh, on the, in the crypto world. Uh, I, I actually had a, um, uh, a run with it myself where I uh, got a milk crate, bought the most expensive GPUs I could find, uh, installed Linux and strapped it all together and threw a fan on top and, and built myself a, a Litecoin mining rig. And I have to say that was super fun. It was uh, nice. expensive from elect electricity perspective, uh, you know, but yeah. just tuning the machine, uh, you know, getting that going. Uh, I think it broke even at that point. Um, but it was, uh, it was a lot of fun and, and it taught me a lot about the space and the possibilities as well. Absolutely. And I think like 
we or Charlie, Neil and I are, are over the moon. And I think kind of given your experience, your involvement in publishing and blockchain, like it's amazing to have you on board advising us with where Alchemy Exchange should go in the future, how we can address the issues that we currently see in the market, which are plentiful at the moment. I think we were briefly talking before we jumped on the call about the recent news with Google pushing back the uh, impending cookie apocalypse, which I think is quite interesting. Um, it's, I think it maybe goes to show that perhaps them pushing the market around wasn't quite as easy as they anticipated and they've realized that they have to work more closely with the people in the chain that are providing value. So the advertisers, publishers, and users largely, which a lot of the stories around how they handle data um, come from is that you're an iData and how that's managed by Google. So it's it's interesting to see from our point of view anyway, um, that cookies are gonna be around for a bit longer. And obviously cookies are similar to contextual targeting, but I guess almost the antithesis somewhat, whereby rather than looking at behavior, you're looking at the actual context of the content that is around um an ad that you may serve and it'd be good andrew if you kind of talk us through like your opinion on the cookie versus context how they play together if they don't if they do like yeah just your thoughts on where that's going where it's been and kind of the future for it yeah i mean i think the cookie will i mean clearly it's going to continue to play a role um, i think other identifiers will continue to play a role um, in the ad tech ecosystem, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a uh, necessarily a bad thing um, that there is a you know some ex extended time frame uh, to get sort of identity based targeting. But I think the the overall um, uh, you know sort of direction that most people have been thinking around is that the ability to target a device or a household is going to be diminished over time. I think that, you know, even though we have yeah. that announcement with Google, um, extending the life of the cookie, uh, that's only a fraction of, I mean, it's a large portion, but still not everything when it comes to um, what's addressable uh, from an identity perspective, from a device perspective, right? Still have a lot of, uh, we still have the iOS 14, uh, situation that happened with the mobile world, yeah. um, you know, I think that the, but I, I think identity-based targeting is always going to exist in some shape or form, right? And there'll be ways for platforms and uh, publishers to be able to uh, support that. I think where contextual comes in is uh, kind of bridging the gap between the known and the unknown. Um, there's a, there's even a space and an overlap for those two things to, to play a part together. Definitely. Um, definitely. Yeah. I think that the the Apple, you kind of touched on it, but the Apple news for me is quite interesting because they're they're removing a lot of the traditional identifiers that you would have for finding users. But not only that, just kind of just the general logistics of serving an ad, right? If, if for example, in Safari, the IP address goes, you may be in a situation where I'm sat in the UK, I'm fortunate enough to be in the Cotswolds and the sun's come out and I there's no way that anyone would know that. And I might then see an ad that was in French, which for an advertiser is totally wasted because I don't understand French. And I think that's where uh, contextual targeting might be quite key because if you understand the language in which a certain piece of content is written, it then may give you a pretty strong idea of whereabouts that person is located or at least the language they understand. So I think logistically, um, context is very key and 
in a previous life, I um, worked for a company called ShareThrough, which was a native ad exchange. And we quite often talked about this idea of a, an editorial halo. So this idea when you have an ad set next to good, powerful editorial content, it actually has the effect of improving the engagement on that particular ad unit. And I think, yeah, as we yeah. move forward, as there are these big changes in this Game of Thrones of the kind of big tech players that's going on at the moment, I think context and serving ads against content that is relevant is really going to come to the fore and provide advertisers with a very meaningful way to deliver ads. I mean, Neil, I'd be interested to hear from you in your time at Mindshare if contextual targeting was on your radar back then, kind of the benefits that you saw um, from contextual targeting and how that might continue to grow into the future. Yeah, I mean, it was it was very much on my radar, but given given the fact that I worked for for a Group M company and and one of Group M's flagship products was essentially contextual, right? And in, in in terms of the targeting capabilities that 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 product had, so context is always key for us. But you know, that idea of getting content and context together and working working symbiotically is is it's kind of the the, the dream of most media planners um to ensure yeah. that you're putting the right content on the right page in front of the right in front of the right audience um we used other tools to to try and build out so strong strong contextual planning as well as trying to use as much you know you know identity as as, as we as we could whether that was geo whether it was cookie, whether it was something from a demand side platform, um, and then kind of kind of wrap that up with the with dynamic creative that we that we were delivering. So working with Seltra, for example, to to mm-hmm. ingest those data points and and ensure based on the signals that we had that the right creative was was going on on screen. But that was a real utopian view, um, and quite often you end up going fairly myopic I think down down the route of of um data particularly with cookies and I think really like really interesting really interesting tweet I saw last night you know as of yesterday the trade desk finished up 16 percent magnite up 10 percent pubmatic up 13 percent critio up 11 percent to a new 52 week high and live ramp up nine percent as well and I think that just shows kind of the underlying market sentiment that these 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 big ad tech businesses that have been saying that they are making their own identity play might not be as far along um, with with creating that as as perhaps they're they're saying they are and, and this kind of two-year stay of execution basically is as given another breath of fresh air into the market yeah. but i think i think the positive sentiment that comes out of this is is the fact that the the super tanker has already started being turned right like i I think i think mindsets have started started changing and people aren't just focusing as much on cookie and and on you know one identifier as they as they were perhaps in the past i think that's right i mean i i mean i think the general sentiment that i've you know the chatter that i've i've been looking at in the last 24 hours is that uh oh good now we have some time to get it right because we were basically fucking it up before this you know so uh you know and and so that's that's fair enough right i mean i again i i'm still you know of the of the mindset that the ability to provide identification is going to be restricted you know and that Mm -hmm. that so getting it right is important but it's going to look different than it ever had 
Um, I, in some ways, I think it could actually improve the identity space because uh, if identifiers can be more accurate than cookies, I don't know if any of you have ever looked yourselves up in a third-party data uh, platforms uh, directory in terms of your device, you can see the categories you fall into from a cookie perspective. I've done that on Google, actually. Bad. Yeah, it's yeah. a bit of a laugh, to be honest with you, sometimes. Yeah. I like to yeah. keep it that way and see, see the ads that come in, for sure. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I think it's an imperfect science that needs to be perfected and, and it needs to be also transparent with the user, you know? And one of the things, that, and the reason I'm in the contextual space is that is exactly that, right? It's the that contextual does an amazing job of protecting the user, right? Like, coming from the publishing perspective, my customer was an audience, right? Like, you know, and generating an audience had the most value and treating that audience with care uh, and treating them with respect uh, was something that was high on my priority list, but it also made business sense. And I think with um, contextual advertising, it's 100% ethically uh, aligned uh, for the, I think for the most part, I think you can do, th you can do stupid things with it. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, tracking people and delivering ads without their knowledge or consent is something that I think will be a thing of the past. I think so. And I think for me that context has kind of had its case made for it over the, the history of advertising, right? Like the, if I think about the billboards at Leicester Square in London, uh, or Piccadilly Circus rather, that that is an ad in a particular context and you have certain people that will view yeah those ads and that's and people still spend money on that today and i think the same thing for magazines that was a, a context and you saw people that a type of person you thought was going to see you didn't know exactly and i think that one of the best and worst things about digital advertising is the granularity of the reporting like it's yeah because it's there you want every single thing you need but it's actually do you need all of that data it's about passing what's important and i think largely what you see float to the top there is the content it was served around what that then meant for the sentiment of the ad and that user reading that content at any one time. Yeah, no, I mean, I think the I think putting it in a three-dimensional uh, context uh, or, uh, uh, you know, drawing a three-dimensional picture is an important way to visualize what context really can do, contextual advertising, right? Because uh, I wrote about this in Ad Age recently, um, you know, and a couple of things that I've posted um, recently about this, but, uh, I, I, I've used a Times Square analogy, right? A billboard in Times Square is much different than a billboard in the back alley somewhere. Mm -hmm. um, the, uh, you know, where you are in the Cotswolds, right? And like that picture, like, I think one of the things that people get, uh, they sort of minimize the power of contextual advertising because they think about it as either, it's basically subject matter, right? Like, mm -hmm. is this content safe or unsafe? Uh, is this content about something that's relevant to my brand? But if you really blow it out and, and think about it, it's also like, well, what's the what's the literal environment that, that the user is in, right? Like, what's that page look like or that player look like? What's the share of page? Like, how, you know, and then some of the things that we do um, at OpenSlate, I think, which is really fascinating and super important is we don't just understand like what that piece of content is about because we're in social media, that content is linked to a creator, is linked to an audience, right? And there's a, what I like to think of as a conversation going on, right? Mm -hmm. Content is consumed for a reason. It's because of who created it. It's because of the mindset of the person reading it. 
Um, it's also uh, can be heavily engaged with. It can be something that's long tail and off onto the side, right? Like that back alley example, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so who made the content is really important. Is this content highly engaged? Are we in a clean, well-lit environment? And what's the overall quality of that environment is really what people should be thinking about when they're thinking about contextual uh, you know, and subject matter plays a plays a role into that, but so does the engagement and you know, creator based uh, context is something that is is super important not only for social media like we do because we're we're doing that on, on from an open site perspective, but um, you know, there's a there's a huge demand for diversity, equity, and inclusion in this space. The ability to responsibly identify creators and allow advertisers to invest in those creators. Just another use case for contextual being like one of the more sort of, uh, you know, I think ethically uh, sound ways of of approaching the advertising industry. I totally agree with that. And I think to kind of tie it into a a future that we Alchemy Exchange and we've talked about Andrew where blockchain and marketing and advertising sit together in a much nicer way before, particularly with Constellations Hypergraph that now allows us to have more and more data sets interoperable to provide advertisers with a better means of finding that context. I think that given that as we move towards this kind of world where you have an advertising auction host on the blockchain, you have complete transparency of data, that's only going to make contextual solutions even more compelling. If there's more data sets to read from, if there's more ways to action those data sets, you're going to get a much, much tighter, more effective product for finding the right context for the right advertiser, which is being read for the right being read by the right person to kind of achieve that advertiser's goal so uh, i for one am excited about your so your experience in contextual targeting and even though the cookie apocalypse has been pushed back two years i think we're in a very strong position as a decentralized advertising exchange to take advantage of solutions that you're helping build at the moment yeah yeah i would say one of the things that's really exciting for me about the alchemy uh, uh technology is is the idea that you can create, you know, these indelible records that link back to, uh, you know, to to finite concepts, right? So, mm-hmm. one of the biggest challenges with contextual advertising is providing uh, an identifier, which is ironic when you think about it, because yeah, yeah, uh, it is, yeah. ID-based targeting is that's also a challenge, right? Like when you have a website, you have a URL, right, and then mm-hmm. that acts as the identifier. Uh, but that URL can change. That URL also can be delivered through the exchange as either truncated or something else, and it resolves mm-hmm. to a different type. It resolves to a different identifier, basically. And so there is there are hops along the chain, the chain within the exchange that that uh, don't give you that clean uh, connection with the content and the identify and the identification of that content. And I think that's one of the things that can really uh, supercharged contextual uh, through the concept of, of using um, the constellation hypergraph. You know, I think that uh, uh, there's a lot of parts of the world, or sorry, of the digital advertising space that are outside of the open web that are very hard to identify. Mm-hmm. Um, you have app IDs. Uh, that's that's something there, but it's um, I think it's you know there's room for improvement. You have video uh, that can be delivered absent of a URL in a digital player or other things like that has no identifier that 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 can necessarily be tracked or resolved to. 
you know, so I think providing a mechanism for identity to be passed um, in a secure and accurate fashion uh, is something that I think the, is a big part of the promise of what uh, Alchemy is doing. Absolutely, yeah, because that, that the fraud that exists and URL spoofing, as you mentioned, is a part of that 20% that is lost and kind of delivered in the wrong place and as, is of no value to an advertiser, as you say, yeah, with a immutable record of data with an identifier that once it's on the blockchain cannot be changed is going to provide a really great means for building out solutions that target ads better. And I think even again, as we look even further to the future, I mean, a lot of websites will have a content management system. So the means by which content is delivered onto a page at a certain time. And if there's a future where there is a, a decentralized ID solution that is then interoperable with your content management system, you're then going to be able to build out very compelling, contextually relevant articles within a contextually relevant ad that yeah. then gives you a, an experience very similar to what you see in the platforms where you know, it's algorithmically based feed of all the content that you love no matter where you go because you're taking your preferences with you to each individual website and then the Alchemy Exchange is able to apply that to um, the feed that is built through the interoperability of data that's facilitated by the hypergraph to provide this experience that we all love on social platforms, right? But it's very difficult to deliver at scale and effectively, I think, on the open web. So again, it's giving publishers a, an extra string to their bow um, to compete with what are very good ad products released by um, social yeah. platforms to the tune of billions of dollars. So it's, yeah, I think it's a case of providing more strength, providing more functionality for publishers who create this content to serve a product that is as good as what we see on other platforms. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. I, you know, I think that there's, I haven't figured it out. I'm sure someone will, but, uh, yeah. you know, with the, the whole uh, eruption of NFTs, right, mm -hmm. and uh, the ability to assign ownership to a digital asset. I mean, think about the wealth of digital assets that publishers have, right? And um, the concept of NFT, I think, is very powerful. It's something that I think needs to be, um, you know, done in a way that is supportive for the creator. I think a lot of creators have an opportunity to make not just money from selling their NFTs, but potentially having that, you know, that that ownership being transferred into any context, especially in an advertising sense. So I think the I think um, that type of certification has the ability to track monetization, but also mitigate fraud. And I think there's uh, there's something there with that that piece. I think the NFT thing was the early days, and there's going to be a lot more with the way um, you know the, that uh, the blockchain can uh, empower publishers and content owners and creators. It definitely, it's, it's like a it's a way of licensing your IP or digital IP or whatever it may be, which then in the future could provide a, a whole new revenue stream for publishers and. Yeah, I think that it'll be interesting to see that um, play out in the future. I think it's not, it, it gets a badish rep, I think, at the moment, NFTs, given that kind of their integration is pretty bad. <laughs> but I think yeah. for, yeah, for licensing, for perhaps procurement in the future as well, the application of NFTs will be pretty compelling um, as we move forward. So I think, yeah. well, I, I guess we've kind of touched on it a little bit, but I, it would be interesting to hear from you, Andrew, if you had like a a postcard from the future almost where like what's your your utopian future of like 
this is how ads are traded in 2022. I apologize. It's a biplane going over me. It's crazy in the countryside. I'm not used to this. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, be interesting to kind of see what, what, what would be your perfect vision, I guess. And then what, what do you think is like likely to deliver without wanting to put you on the spot too much? Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, in, I mean, I think the, I think in the future there, there needs to be, you know, an ecosystem where you have, uh, the, the greatest amount of transparency. I think that's kind of obvious in some ways. Uh, but really, truly today, like that's not happening. Right. Um, even with the, in the platforms that are natively, uh, uh, supported by uh, by some of the bigger players in the space outside of open web, I think there, there's room for improvement and transparency. Uh, we see that a lot, right? And in on, on my side of the fence, I I think transparency is in in that future state needs to be uh, needs to look like what content is about. Uh, you know, I really truly understanding identity from both from an end to end from a user perspective and also from a buyer perspective, right? So that there's a there's a clean exchange, there's a clean agreement across the the space. There, I think transparency is a big theme. I think we will see a lot more of that. I think that's inevitable. Um, it's going to take time. Um, I think that the uh, you know an another uh, you know big theme in the future space is, um, is, is around, uh, you know, the, the efficiencies that need to be in place in advertising. I think, and I mean that in a very broad sense, like I think that the, the it, it, it could look like the number of hops that a transaction takes to resolve to, a, to an ad spend, right? Which I know with Alchemy, that's one of the things that, you know, we're looking to solve, right? Is, is how can that, we- yeah. How can we make that handshake, you know, far more uh, transparent, efficient, mm -hmm. you know, uh, from end to end, there's, there's something there. Um, but I also think like the efficiency of, of buying media and selling media is very poor right now. Yeah, right. Great. The controls that are in place uh, tend to look like a bunch of siloed stuff that doesn't look like each other, like all the different other options, right? How I buy media here, here, and here looks completely different. And then as a seller, and I think, you know, I said this in my preamble about my extremely long career as a publisher, because <laughs> <laughs> I'm such an old man, uh, that a publisher is literally losing their mind, you know, every single day because there's a new fraud solution and there's a new... Uh, requirement for brand safety. There's a new XYZ and it differs from agency to agency, you know? So I think some standardization in the space, but I also think like, you know, making it easier for publishers to sell media and having them uh, having controls on the sell side that allow uh, publishers to do more with less overhead required on their side and, you know, uh, less of sort of like an all hands on deck situation. Because I, I can tell you when you're selling media right now, um, you know, and it's been a minute since I've, I've been in that seat. Uh, mm -hmm. But I know a lot, a lot hasn't changed. Like, hell, we got cookies coming for another two more years, right? So like, yeah. uh, you know, there's, I think there's quite a lot that um, could improve uh, from an efficiency standpoint in terms of buying and selling media, um, as well as the literal transaction uh, and cleaning that up.
And I, I think so because the, the efficiency is actually, it's quite an interesting point because like the net net of that for you and I as consumers and users of websites is that sometimes the page loads very slowly. That sometimes there's yeah. multiple ad trackers on page and like oftentimes that's a requirement from a publisher, as you say, to sell to the individual agencies or partners or brands that they need to with their respective deals they have with respective partners that ultimately is is slowing down the internet browser because there's so many third parties running on the back end to facilitate the ability yeah. for them to trade and make money to continue to operate. It's kind of this horrible like self-fulfilling prophecy that kind of spirals down and gets messier and messier and messier and i think yeah as you say with with transparency will come efficiency because you can then see okay these these pipes aren't great so we're going to move what we're doing out of those pipes and put them in here because we make more money it's more efficient because we can take those pipes away and make effective decisions on who they're saying to and why um, and just waste less time because with with each one of those third-party tags comes a relationship with a person comes an integration with a particular tech solution and that amounts to time across various departments in a publishing whether it's the legal team development commercial ongoing account management the, the inefficiencies do play out in a number of different ways that has significant impacts on just the, the experience of the internet so it's i mm -hmm. think yes yeah, two really good points because they they seem two very easy things to say but when you really do play them out you're like, holy shit these do actually you touch a lot of things in a lot of different ways and yeah ruin what is one of the greatest adventures of all time of the internet i'd say ruin but not make it as good as it could be so i think yes yeah, yeah. hugely important that that is solved and yeah again that's why we're, we're all hugely excited about what's going to be possible with the alchemy exchange in regard to transparency and efficiency by being able to see exactly who's buying and selling your media exactly which pipes work the best for you and then as you mentioned earlier, but products that we don't even know that exist yet that will be built on the Alchemy Exchange that provide brand new efficiencies and even more compelling ways to sell advertisements with amazing context and efficiency to deliver a product that is better for ultimately the end user, the advertiser and the publisher, kind of re-establishing that symbiotic value exchange, which is somewhat lost at the moment, I think, with the way it is at the moment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the user experience on the open web um, is a is something that is unsustainable i think you know and mm -hmm. um you know the i i pay for pay a subscription fee to some publishers right as a user uh which i think works out um but that's only for a certain percentage of the top mm -hmm. the best of the best right or people that are incredibly uh well established in your niche and if you're not in that group you're going to have a difficult time driving revenues that way and the advertising piece is crucial to you uh but if your ads start you know if if you can't maintain the value of of your your sell side proposition right if your what the inventory you're selling doesn't show value uh it's going to continue to get lower and lower on the totem pole and what i mean by that is that um you know it's important, I think, for the the, the publisher inventory to start to, to show a uh, to show value um, and to show that there's there's you know an, ac an accurate accounting of what that uh, inventory actually uh, looks like, so that the 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 good actors, the ones that are pre providing useful uh, and highly valuable content to users. Are, are are you know rewarded in a way where their advertising is monetized and in and uh in in a fashion that isn't um 
you know, continuing to be, uh, you know, degraded. And it, I don't know, I feel like I'm kind of rambling a little on that one, but it's really like a, like, it's a, it's a, like how many ads can I jam on the page is basically what publishers are saying. In turn, that that drives down the value of the page, it turns off users, et cetera. If you could certify the, the quality of that impression, that this is a highly engaged page, which I think is a is also part of what can, context can do, right? Mm-hmm. It's a reputable yeah. publisher, that it's a non-fraudulent impression, and that it had an impact, which I think is all ultimately the end goal, right? Any kind of outcome that you can prove and do that in a privacy compliant manner. Then you start saying, okay, let's turn off the, the let's have one ad instead of four. <laughs> Literally, like yeah. uh, one of the sites that I read is a cycling website. I spend, you know, a lot of time closing windows and, and navigating pop-ups just to read the little pieces of text. It, you know, I, so, you know, that's just one of these things that I think we need to uh, uh, do for publishers, basically. I, I totally agree because it's like the, the publishers that you pay for were once publishers that you wouldn't pay for right and if, if that's the only solution for people to sustainably grow their advertising revenue where do the next generation of small fledgling publishers come in and how do they succeed it's it's not through yeah. putting ads every two paragraphs because that turns you off straight away as you say it's by respecting the user and understanding the true value of each individual page impression outside of a cookie associated yeah. to it um to give people the opportunity to find highly targeted users because it's, it's like, okay, you could buy 10 million ad impressions on a, a large national newspaper, but you may be better served for your instance, if you're specialized by working with a smaller cycling blog, because that's going to be 10,000 people that read it and trust and jump when that article says jump and not only to say jump and say, how high do I yeah. jump? Where do I jump? What gear ratio do I jump in? All that kind of good stuff that goes along with it. Right. So it's, um yeah i think you're 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 bang on with exactly what you're saying so um you know you're I mean, talking you've got to look at uh, the way uh, influencers make money from having a small super engaged yeah. audience to That's know true. that that is got value and that has had value for advertisers yeah. um and they're showing at the moment so yeah it's got to work out i mean i think that's the piece that's missing for the web right like mm-hmm. there's a indelible and unarguable connection between an influencer and their audience it's it's right there for you to you to see as an advertiser right and you don't need proof right whereas the web has grown in its own crazy way it's called open web for a reason right it's sort of gone and gotten really wild and crazy uh in some ways i think it's done some harm for that space but it's also one of the uh, true places where you can uh, be an independent publisher or, or create a voice and, and allow information to travel um, freely uh, to anyone who may be interested in consuming it. And I think that the, the, the thing that needs to happen there is to prove a similar connection to what you might see with an influencer, right? This is kind of getting back to what I was saying about contextual advertising, yeah. is that contextual advertising shouldn't just be about that one piece of content atomized across the billions and billions of pieces of content that you could advertise against, right? But who created it? How highly yeah. engaged is it, right? Is this an influential piece, right? What do we know about where this person is when they're reading this ad? beyond just the subject matter of what they're reading. You know, and a good, and a, I think a, a, a publisher with a, with a strong offering should be rewarded and should be made transparent in terms of what it is they're offering. And the buyer should be able to make that connection themselves and invest appropriately. Yeah, 
because I guess in the same way that influencers are like the de facto leader of particular subcultures because people literally vote with their thumbs and follow those individuals being able to show that for upcoming publishers for niche publishers who are also de facto leaders of their own respective subculture would allow them to have much more value in the product they're offering to advertisers allowing them to then put money back into their journalism to kind of grow and be bigger better leaders of the the communities that they service with the yeah. articles and the journalism they create so yeah i, I totally agree it's you know a lot I think of work for it, us to be doing but I think yeah we, we know the right way to do things. <laughs> yeah i think there's a there's a there's a real opportunity you know the open web is a place where publishers can drive the that can maximize the revenues right when you work in a walled garden environment you have the you know you have a little bit of a trade off there in terms of your control of your content um, how it's monetized etc and so i think in the in the spirit of you know uh, freedom of information just ensuring that that information is available i think advertising can do a great service uh, to uh, you know content producers of all sorts right and i think that the you know where the web is an was is an open playing field where you can um, you can do it. It could be the next platform, right? It could be, you know, any number of things that could be made available um, in a more transparent and efficient ecosystem. Totally agree. And I think that is probably a very nice way to round it off. I know, I know you've got your day job to get back to, Andrew, and we've, <laughs> we've taken up near enough an hour of your time. It's, it's been an absolute pleasure um, chatting with you. The insights you've got from a story career are hugely valuable. And again, I'll say that we're we're over the moon to have you be part of the Alchemy Exchange team. And yeah, really excited for what we can do in the future together. Yeah, feelings mutual. I'm really excited to be working together. Um, you know, I, I, want, I want to do good things uh, uh, for publishers, for, you know, uh, and, and I think advertising is a great opportunity to make that, uh, to make that change. I think that's something that uh, there's a long road ahead of us. Uh, clearly things you know, are continue to change and evolve. And, and uh, uh, I think it can only get better from here. Keeps it interesting, right? Yeah. <laughs> Keeps it interesting. Yeah. All right, Andrew, thank you very much. Um, yeah. Enjoy the rest of your day, man. It's been an absolute pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. Cheers. Have, have a good one. Cheers, guys. Cheers.